conditioning, and these are all like fundamental elements of growth, really important. So yeah. I think that's good. Good for you. Because yeah. some niggas could just be like not growing. They'd be like the same person they were 30 years ago, and that's scary to me. I didn't ever say it on the show. I meant to say it. I call it my five versus five. Uh, that's how I started the year. Basically, I, I started the year saying I don't want my next five years to look like my last five years. A lot of it was just because of my how I handled some many of my relationships. There was a digression in my relationship with my kids. Oh, I think five is too much. I think you should do that every two years. Well, no, it's just it's just the insight to keep my mind because my last five years kind of deteriorated. I did well. I did great creatively. I did great as a business. I did great in those regards. I had a great professional life. I had a terrible personal life. And I don't want my, I don't want to continue to sacrifice my personal life. And that's my five versus five. So it's just about saying my next five years has to be about, has to be, Better dealt than my last five was. Ah, Rose knows. Unless you sound like old dirty ass motherfucker. <laughs> Rose should hit different. Bro, take a long time, man. I hate these artistic dudes. He's coming. Yeah, what's Rose? Come on, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know they mad. They can't stop. Number one sound yeah, tracking the world. Black on. Even the number one movie was making records. Making the whole movie. This is the I'm Kind of Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Lester Rowe. New week, new episode. Episode 113 of the I'm Kind of Famous Podcast. I hope that number's right. K-I-N-D-A Famous Pod, P-O-D.com, the official website. Or... Row is famous on Twitter and Instagram. Arrowfilms.com, the official website. Go over there to get those clean ass people collected t shirts. I think we we're gonna do the hoodie thing. We got the bandanas now. Um what else? Uh oh, and those jogging shorts. I gotta get rid of those at some point. So figure out how to get those. I got a new website coming real, real soon. Or one that's dedicated to like merch. I'm going to try that out. If that don't work, I don't know. But that's why I'm, that's the goal is to get a whole merch page. And then we're going to sell some of this artwork too. So you can get a piece of that. But uh, that's it. So this week we have friend of the show. I've been there. I've I've always wanted to say that friend of the show (laughs) from the Zio and Rome podcast. Rome. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? We got Rome. Uh, look, we're doing some, like, what they call that shit? Uh, time traveling. Time Rome is traveling. in the future. So, so. Am I? Yeah, technically. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell me how it's about to be. I'm going to tell you what it how was. How what? So you oh, telling me that's how, right. Yeah, there you go. That's true. 
now. See, I'm so busy living in the future that I'm not in the right now. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like that. Now, <laughs> now Rome, and we're going we gonna, we gonna to get to this later. But Rome of the ZR and Rome podcast has this exquisite, titillating, thrilling story about a cross-country journey <laughs> with all kind of hijinks and things that I thought I would never hear a person want to do. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what we doing. Things best explored through a Lifetime movie series. For sure. Uh, possibly even written by a one Tyler Perry when he's not wearing a dress. These are facts. Things like this. So we're we going to get to that point. Cause I got, I I see today I hit Rome up. I said Rome, I need you, Rome. I need you for my podcast this week. Cause I got some things I want to talk about. Got some things on my mind, and some of those things relate to possibly her issue or her, her issue. This story that we won't get into. I think y'all have to go listen to that episode. I know you have to listen to this episode of the Zero and Rome podcast. What episode was this? That was episode 116, and it was called Airing It Out. Airing It Out. It was it, that. Yeah, I think that was the most intense Zero and Rome episode. That was a good uh, well, one. Well, maybe for me. Oh, nah, it was all, overall a great episode. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I've been considering dropping the numbers. For my show. I don't know. I'm I'm tired of like I've been thinking about dropping the numbers off of the show. Yeah, just going with straight titles. Oh sorry, I'm not even in front of my bad. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I heard that it's better not to number them, which is why we stopped putting numbers in the titles because you're developing so much content and you want people to just kind of jump in whatever, whenever and not get so tied up in the sequence of things. So we kind of took that advice, but then Apple Podcasts started numbering podcasts hmm. after we stopped numbering them. So Yeah, yeah. I just decided that I just, uh, yeah, one, the numbers get a little cumbersome at some point. And then, like, it's not like we're new now. You know, yeah. it's impressive when it's like, oh, shit, he got 50-something episodes. But now it's like, all right, man, we just here to talk. Now you just get sick of counting. It's like, oh, we get it. You've been doing this. This is what you do. Right, yeah. It's like when you turn on a TV show. When you turn on Law & Order SVU, you don't need to know it's episode 1053. You just know it's Law & Order SVU, and you like the show, and you're going to keep watching it. That's it. That's it. And then I just think people can just go pick a show at random that they want to listen to. Right. So. Yeah, I feel you, yeah. Now, I want to hear some of these current things real quick. And then, uh, then we'll get into why I really want to get into it with you about. All uh, right, let's do it, man. So, um, now I haven't heard the most recent 
Zion Rome podcast episode. So I don't know if you've already talked about any of this yet. But uh, what do you think about this Dwayne Wade? Or do you know about the Dwayne Wade uh, clapback, if you will, about his son? People going at his son on their Thanksgiving photo. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't aware, um, there was a Thanksgiving photo with Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade, and some kids or whatever. And there was like a kid in the photo, I'm going to say, between the ages of 12 and 14 with a full set of acrylic nails and a little little uh, crop top shirt, kind of. And the internet went wild, as usual. You know how the internet is. It's crazy. Anyway, um, and... I don't I didn't see his clap back myself, but I did hear about it. And, you know, when we discussed this on my show, at the end of the day, my thought is that it's none of my fucking business. You what what they do with their parenting and what's going on in their household. I'm not a parent, so I really just try to watch my place. And my thing is like him allowing his kids to have acrylic nails, I don't feel is causing anybody any harm. So my thing is like, regardless of my personal beliefs, my spiritual beliefs and all that, I just feel like it's none of my business. And I try to watch myself because I feel like what a lot of people don't understand is when they just start vocalizing their opinions about what's going on in someone else's household, it shows a lot. It reveals a lot about their own character mm. and what it, whether I agree with it or not, it, it just comes off very unattractive and it's very telling. You know what I mean? Right. I think that we all have things when it comes to our decisions, parenting, whatever the case is, that other people aren't going to agree with. So my thing is that I think we need to just fall back and mind our fucking business. It's 2019 and there's other shit to be worrying about. Like, let that kid live his life, you know, and and just chill. Like, that's my whole view on it. So Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade's response to this was uh to the people um commenting negatively towards the family photo of his son wearing a crop top mm-hmm. and a uh, uh with nails says I've seen some post Thanksgiving hate on social on social about my family photo stupidity is a part of the world we live in so I get it but here's the thing I've been chosen to lead my family not y'all. So we will continue to be us and support each other with pride, love, and a smile. Uh, I mean, I who can be mad at that, bro? And then what, as it relates to homosexuality and stuff like that, because we're associating the way that this person is choosing to dress and express themselves, to, and we're putting that in alignment with sexual orientation, which we should be careful with sometimes, right? But let's assume that his son is gay, bisexual, or part of the LGBTQ community. It, it's an assumption based off of what we're seeing, right? Right. And I feel like even if he is, my thing is that I I feel like the fact that this child feels comfortable being himself or expressing himself in front of his family and his father is a big win versus having to feel that anxiety of, hiding who he is and how he wants to express himself and again i i don't know i don't i don't want to be like oh that deserves a standing ovation but 
I'm glad to know that this child doesn't feel the need to hide who he is around his dad or his family. So I uh, I got a friend who is a strong advocate for the LGBT community, probably because she's a lesbian. But um, we was having a conversation about this, and I personally feel, I don't know how I feel about the possibility of my son or daughter, you know, doing the whatever we classify this as. Uh, I would like to believe if it comes up, it's a conversation we deal with. We talk about it and I won't be like, like if it's my son, it's still my son at the end of the day. I don't find that. I don't feel like I would be one to be like, hell nah, you can't do that shit. If he's expressing himself this way and it seems genuine and authentic, I kind of have to, I have to figure out how to navigate it. Because just yeah. as much as uh, I don't think anyone's I don't think anyone really says this enough, but and I could be dead wrong, but I feel like this LGBT, all the extra letters that come after that is so new for uh, for the people on the outside of the community as much as it, it right. is for the people on the inside of the community. And while we're still both trying to navigate what something means. I don't know if I necessarily would be like, oh, my son feels like he's a woman. So let me just start to acquiesce to that. I think we have to have yeah. some sort of conversation to figure out, okay, do you understand what you're saying, first of all? Uh, and how did we get here? Because I need to know as well. I agree that an exploratory conversation needs to be had, like, like, how intense is that desire to wear the nails? Like, are you doing it because you saw someone else do it? Are you doing it because there's something? Like, I just feel like as a parent, if you have a good relationship with your child, there would have been other indicators leading up to wanting to get the nails done. Because, you know, like, was your kid playing with Barbies, you know, when they were three years old? You know, little things like that. Like, there would have been other signs leading up to that point. But I do believe, again, if your child makes the request to do something like this, your son specifically to get his nails done like this, having the using that as an opportunity to have a conversation to get to know and understand what's going on in your child's mind, I think is really important. Now, my thing is like, we're talking about nails, right? So even if it's just a phase, that's something that once the phase is over, it's, you know, it's it's not like getting the nails done is a permanent thing. Would I pay for my 16-year-old son to get breast implants because he's going through a gender identity situation? No, I'm not going to do that because the last thing I would want is my kid at 23 years old being like, yo, I shouldn't have done that. I was trying to figure out, figure myself out and I wasn't sure and I made the wrong decision and then, you know, I had a hand in that. So I, I feel like we shouldn't, we shouldn't look at the nail thing like it's like even if it's a phase it's it's not causing any damage to the child or to anyone else around them so i don't know i think the outrage is kind of crazy now i would like to present a challenging i would like to challenge anyone yourself included who may be a little uncomfortable with their son getting the acrylic acrylic nails and the crop top and all that so 
How old were you when you lost your virginity? Me? Shit. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I was going into my eighth grade year. So whatever that means. Whatever age okay. that is. So like 13, 14? Yeah, the statute 12, of limitation 13, 14, is up. Something like that, that. Okay, whatever. So do you think your parents, parent, whatever, would have been okay with your choice to have sex at that age? I'm going to say no. So your parents would not have been supportive of you having sex at that age, but you still felt the urge and the desire to do it anyway. Uh, the urge and desire. So in the most non-philosophical way, I'm going to say, uh, yes. Point being is that these urges, these desires, they're going to come up, whether they're heterosexual, homosexual, whatever the case is, you have to think that regardless of your parents' wishes, even if you knew your parents weren't going to approve of what was going on in your life at that time, it didn't make those feelings or those urges disappear. You know what I mean? And in fact, knowing that you were going to do something that's against your parents' wishes for your life kind of causes things causes tension it causes you to feel a little bit on edge but it doesn't make those feelings go away so i just think that everyone should keep that in mind especially as it relates to homosexual desires or identity situations and things like that even if your parents approve if your parents approve of it or disapprove of it it doesn't make those feelings go away well let's add they a remain all it does is it all it does is it makes the situation more tense or less tense now i want to add a level to this um his son has no problem and this is kind of remnant of the ti thing too his son has no problem if his parent doesn't decide to advertise. You know what I mean? Like, if you're if 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 my son, if I allowed the same thing to happen with my kid and and everything, I'm probably not. And I don't want I I don't think it would be so much of a shame thing. It's a I don't know what it would be. What reason I would not do it? But I don't think I would go. Let's put this online. Knowing what I know as the as the adult, now we've rectified it in the house. If that's what he does, that's how he goes to school, whatever, whatever. But yeah, it's also my job to protect my kid from criticism, uh, and that's why I kind of also added the Ti thing because Ti is take will take backlash, but he's a celebrity. He 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 uh signed up for that. The commentary he makes about his daughter who still has to live her life in this world, you kind of invited criticism to not only you, your parenting, but your child who has to, you know, live with that. Because I would like to think, even though we're trying to normalize this and making steps to normalize it, Dwayne Wade and Grabelle Union, who are no strangers to criticism, uh, especially Dwayne Wade, who uh, has some exquisite fashion when he was a player. Right. Um, would think, okay, hey, son, I'm about to put this out here. And I'm putting this out here because I love you. But uh, just remember, 
whatever is said, these people don't know you, blah, 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 blah. Right. Doesn't he have a responsibility if he didn't have that conversation or does it, or should it even matter? Because the internet is I do think. I do think that there's a duty that if, I think that you have to choose a side. When you choose the side to support, fully support your child in this decision, I think you have to be like, now, sweetheart, while I understand and while I support you, not everyone's going to be as supportive. And I just want you to be mentally prepared for that. There's some cruel people in this world. And as much as I would love to be able to protect you in every moment of your life, I can't do that because we're not glued to the hip. So I want to make sure that you're fully prepared and confident enough to defend yourself in circum- situations and circumstances in which I can't be there to defend you. Uh, but no one understand that if anyone were to ever disrespect you in my presence, it's my duty as a parent to address it accordingly. And, oh. I, and I don't want you to be upset with me because that's my, my job as a parent to protect and to defend my child. And, and I think that is a, a part of the conversation that needs to be had because if not, what's going to happen is that you're sugarcoating a situation like, yo, let's go get the nails done. And then the moment the negative criticism comes and let's say the kid wasn't expecting that, now there might be some trauma associated with that. Where, as if you prepared them, which that's your duty as a parent to prepare your kids for all types of situations, to teach them about all things as much as you can, you know, I don't know. I I feel like the whole spectrum of the shit should be talked about before that nail salon visit. That's just my opinion. Now, now go ahead. choosing not to post the family photo because you're worried of what the world's going to think uh, indicates to me that you're not fully supportive of it. You know what I mean? So not supportive of like, or or not or not because it's still a place of navigation. Like you know, like uh, Caitlyn Jenner. When Bruce Jenner trans, uh, I don't know what to say, but when Bruce turned into Caitlyn, he wanted everyone, she wanted everyone to uh, automatically accept him, her. Now, his mom, her mom was like, I don't know. But that's because she raised Bruce to damn near 50 years old. She's known... Her son, I think she longer was than like he known her daughter, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Didn't Bruce change over when he she was around sixty? No disrespect to anyone. It's just a confusing situation. Yeah, right? I mean, and uh, and because we just did this, we both made these. Because at the time he, at the time he was <laughs> in late fifties or early sixties, if I'm not mistaken, before the switch into Caitlyn. So at the time. He was being referred to as a he. And then he became a she, like, at 60 years old. Like, that would be difficult for me, especially considering that this person's been married, has children, you know. But I think it would be difficult across the board. Huge adjustment. Huge adjustment. Yeah, so, and that's why I say, as we are still navigating this, like you had said that um uh that it's not supportive and is I don't know if it's not supportive as much as like hey I know you're trying to figure yourself out I got to figure this out too and it's different though because 
I mean, how is it that your son's going to the nail salon and getting his nails done without parent involvement? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. That's a that's a lot different than the sixty year old deciding, hey, you know what? It's time for me to live as my true self and become Caitlyn. That's that's different because you don't really need to consult with your parents to to facilitate, you know, the the breast implant surgery. Like you, you don't really have to consult with your parents for to make the moves, you know, associated with the transition. But when someone's a, a child and there's they're turning to their parent for that support and all that, it's kind of like it, it's different. It's different. The parent has to be more involved in that situation in order to make shit happen. Well, speaking of transition, <laughs> this is my segue. So I uh, I because you mentioned something about someone disrespecting in public. Now, my friend uh we was talking about the word nigger i forgot i forgot in reference to what it was something that happened uh but it it was in reference to the word nigger and he was like the funny thing about the word nigger is that all it means is that you're black when it comes down to it it's just someone saying that you're black and me and him have this thing of like you know I'm more offended if someone comes to me and calls me a moon cricket or calls me something that's like crazy racist. Like you got creative to get racist. And that means like to me, that would burn me even more. It may be funny too, depending on how creative it is. But nigga was like black. And I said, yeah, but it's still disrespectful because you know what comes with that. So he made the example is if someone, if he was with his daughter at the store or something, and someone walked by and said, Ugh, look at that little nigger baby, that he would go, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. And I was thinking, I feel like you have to address that person for saying that. Because he looks at it like, well, all he's saying is my kid is black. So, yeah, he's saying your kid is black, but disrespectfully. Do you? F- and he said, that's how we give it power is by letting people do that. And then addressing it with uh, so much venom and anger as our response back to them. Uh, what would you do? <laughs> what would Rome do? What would I do if someone referred to my child that way? didn't say it directly to you but was within earshot nah that's not that's not gonna fly that's not gonna fly i'd be like excuse me now why do you feel like you have to respond that way i don't have to but i think it's an opportunity to educate the youth you know what i'm saying and sometimes you gotta do that Educate the you because I I figure like if I gotta educate and when the I youth, say educate the youth, hands. you know I don't mean like <laughs> educate the youth. Like when I say educate the youth, like you know, you gotta educate the youth. You gotta yeah right. Like you gotta. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You we're gotta, talking about room and board. We're talking about 
we gotta bust that ass like (laughs) basically sometimes you gotta educate the youth and that's definitely a situation where you know you gotta educate the youth because the thing is that there's so many reasons why you need to check that down i'm not saying it has to get physical but i think one you have to show your child that that behavior is wrong and unacceptable and that it's important that they don't tolerate disrespect from nobody. But but do and, you as before you go there, but do you look at that position of me responding that way is the thing that gives the word nah, nigga more power? Nah, because intention is everything. Mm. We can get into the whole semantics of the meaning behind a word and the history behind a word and all that. But in the split second that people choose to use this language and say shit the way they say it, they're not giving the whole history backlog thought to it. It's the intention that's behind it. They meant it in a derogatory, disrespectful way, and it should be viewed as such. You get what I'm saying? Intention matters, bro. I think that's exactly... That's why... What I told That's him. why when the word nigga is used, like, to me, intent plays a huge part in, like, whether or not you should be offended. You know what I mean? I'm not saying everybody can use the word, but it's a lot of shit. Like, you got to look at the intention behind it to determine whether or not it was disrespectful. And sometimes that's why you need to check a situation be down and be like, oh, excuse me, and give a motherfucker an opportunity to explain himself before you bust that ass. But intention is key bro and and that's what i I, that's what i was explaining to him as well as like when you know because i told him fuck history fuck what it means (laughs) it's like when you know that this word the use of this word when you're not initiated to use this word you know what you're doing when you say it you know that this is there's an energy behind it that when you use it, there's an energy behind it. And so we got to address the energy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. You got to educate the youth. So. For sure. Yeah. It don't just mean black. It means black in a disrespectful tone. Yeah. It, it's, the, it's the intention. Like, it's. Like, and don't talk about my kid. Like, don't address my kid like that. And don't don't think you're going to say some shit like that in my presence in front of my kid. And then I'm going to just let that fly. Like, nah, this is the perfect opportunity for me to show my child how we don't tolerate disrespect. So now I know that there are people that are a little more passive and they're like, you know, you just got to ignore you know, the ignorance and fly above. And what what was it that Michelle Obama used to say? Uh, we fly high and they, when they go low, we, we go, go high. high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's classy. <laughs> <laughs> that's classy. <laughs> but You're the first lady. The style. second lady going to bust that ass. <laughs> Yo, that ass. Shit. That ass. I'm fucking somebody up. Like, and if it's and if it's not physically, it's 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 gonna be. I'm gonna beat you at your own game. You want to use words to try to you know be derogatory. I'm I'm a really like. I'm see, I painted the picture bro. for him. I painted the picture for him like this. I said, okay, let's say you go the way that you think you're gonna go. So you hear motherfuckers say, "Look at this little nigga, baby," and then you go 
you look at him a certain way. You don't say nothing. You just like, I'm going to go by my way. Because he was like, I might give him a look or something. I said, all right, so you look at him. Then he look at you and say, what the fuck are you looking at? What's your next step? Because what the fuck are you looking like looking at is inviting a lesson. <laughs> it's inviting Why are you even looking more. at my kid? Why are you even looking at my kid? And that's Yo, what, when you break this whole scenario down, it's wrong on so many levels. And I told him the, the moment you look at him and he says something, zero to 100, it's already escalated. There is no, there's no way to walk away from this. So you might as well address the first statement. Because now he feeling strong because he done said some shit about your kid and you ain't do nothing but look at him. You got to bust his ass. We don't go high. We high kick a motherfucker. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Speaking of, uh, damn, I got some good ass segues because it's just leading me to this next thing. But I first, but first, have you listened to the Griselda album? I'm sorry? Have you listened to the Griselda album? <sighs> uh, kind of. Oh, no, no. And... I'm going to tell you why not. Because circles are getting too small for me, bruh. Like, it's just... It's, it, circles are getting too small for one. Two, like, after... I just went through, like, this really intense situation, which we might touch on. And this gangsta music makes me... It takes me to a place that I don't want to go. So as of late, I've been trying to refrain from all things gangsta so I can try to lead a regular life man yeah but i hear great things like those are my guys so you know it's not in my opinion and i think because i listen to a lot of griselda that i feel like it's not the strongest but it's good i mean everybody you could tell that all the money is in house on this one like they ain't they ain't go far to get this one done but it's a good one i like it I like it. Uh, yeah, shout out to the guys. You know, I'm really proud of them. Um, you know, for those of you listening, these are some guys from Buffalo, um, which is my hometown, Buffalo, New York. And, you know, I've I've met, I'm pretty cool with one of the guys mainly, but, you know, we know each other. All of me, Conway, um, homeboy, Westside Gun know of each other but you know it's a good i don't know it's like it's like i'm the type of person like you start listening to certain types of music and that shit gets in your heart and it becomes a dangerous situation i agree and i just feel like i just feel like with that music it takes me to a place i I really don't want to go but yeah i wish them the best of success man uh yeah really good album I, i uh I hope uh I, I just like what's going there. I like um I like independence feeling stuff now. I like stuff that feel very like independent. Like Griselda. Now here's my question. Yeah. My question is like how do guys that don't really live this street life, that never sold drugs, that never done any other shit? Like, I don't understand how they find pure enjoyment out of this music if they tr- they can't relate firsthand. That's the shit that's mind-boggling to me because I've been to their shows um, 
And like you'd be looking at people in the audience, you could tell they never pushed weight in their whole life. And especially the way Benny raps about it, like oh, with certain details. I'm just like, yo, y'all act like this is so relatable. Chill. I think, you know, 50 Cent uh, and 50 Cent is on his album. He got a nice little. I've been wanting a 50 Cent and Benny project. Like, I, f- like, I hope that happens one day because they remind me of old 50. But 51 said, when I was broke, I rapped like the rich niggas. Now I'm rich. I try to rap like the broke niggas. And I think it's just kind of a thing of like living vicariously through the soundtrack. So it's like watching a movie. You could love Scarface, but never, you know, get the yayo. Yeah, because I think, especially the way Benny raps about it, it makes a motherfucker feel like shit. I'm about to get in this kitchen, get the fucking, get this iron going. I'm going to put the water over here. Like it makes you feel like you can, you can. Relate because you know there's a stigma to poppy music. It's a stigma to like, oh, you listen to Drake, that's this, or oh, you listen to Auto Tune, that's that. And I think there's a place for getting back to that rugged thing. But as well, I think New York been wanting this. Like New York or East Coast have been wanting a return to the sound that made them yeah some boom bap it's very reminiscent of like Wu-Tang Clan you know Mob Deep Mob Deep it's it's such a nice blend of like old classic gangsta boom bap type shit and I feel like there's been a big gap like we haven't seen that in a while I think that you know I'm 33 so if I ever want to feel for that like I'm listening to old shit. I'm listening to the locks. I'm listening yeah. to Mob Deep. I'm listening to old Nas, old J, old Pun, shit like that. But now it's like, wow, this is fresh shit. We don't have to tune into some old shit to get that vibe, and it and it feels pretty dope. And it's a lot of cats doing it. I'm enjoying it because I've been like, I love gangster. Well, I won't say I love gangster music, but that drug dealer music, it it, it it's always feels like a a soundtrack. So from what Griselda and what them are doing, and there's another group, op- Opioid Era, that I'm listening to, and uh uh Pusher, Pusher T and fucking Jada Kiss and no nah, Sheik and all that shit. It's like, oh, they still yeah. making that music that feels like an era. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but I don't know, there's something gritty about what they do. And it, and when I listen to them, when I listen to them, like Conway, especially, like I'm not shitting on West Side Gun. He's done great things. Boom, but boom. I don't connect with him as much. It's the but voice. like when I listen to Benny and when I listen to Conway, I feel like they rap like they don't they don't give a fuck if niggas fuck with them or not. Like, yeah. I, I think it's like Westside, they're not putting on. It doesn't seem like they're putting on a show. They're just letting you know what's up, you know? And it has that organic, authentic vibe to it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it feels like you're getting more of a purist rap. It doesn't feel like they're trying to sell records. Yeah, for, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Especially uh, even with the production, it don't feel like... Like, this album, I think it is on, like, two songs with hooks on it. 
And I, I as I mm-hmm. as I realized that, I was like, I don't think I ever really hear hooks on their fucking song. You gotta go to one of their shows, bro. It's crazy. Uh I will say this. Eminem has a verse on there that could have completely been cut off because it's not even like that it's a bad Eminem verse. It just doesn't fit. It was unnecessary. It's super like yeah. it's super clear and crisp because you know he got a million dollar studio. Uh it's Eminem and he is he definitely don't do drug rap or drug seller rap. So it's like He's like, I do the drugs that Benny pushed to me. Yeah, I, you damn! I'm I think you heard it, <laughs> but <laughs> I, did, but, I didn't. Is that what he said? He say something similar, but it's a good, it's a good record. But when Eminem comes on, it's like, eh, we could have went without that one. But you know, Eminem is gonna give them a stimulus package to, because it's gonna be a bunch of cats who go right to that uh, in Barcelona. Spain, Madrid, who love Eminem, like, oh shit, who's Griselda? Griselda. Uh, so I got one more before we get into the shit. Nah, you know what? I'm getting to the shit. I'm getting to the shit. Oh, okay. So let's get into it. Um. So this is a uh, this is a conversation about responsibility. Um, relationships. Um and growth. I figured these would be things that you could relate to. Um okay. so we talked about earlier you had a uh, uh and I don't want to go into it in detail. I really want people to go listen to your podcast about this show. And I'm gonna put that in the fucking But if they things. don't, make sure you give them enough context, you know? Yeah, we're gonna give them context. Well, you gotta we're give them We're here context. to educate you. We're here to educate you. So, okay. so you talked about uh So I'm actually I'm gonna start this way. So this is the first Thanksgiving that I have without my father. And oh, yeah. and not that big of a deal. Well, it's a big deal, but not that big of a deal. But I had an emotional holiday. And part of it was because, um, you know, he wasn't there. You know, it was a phone call I wasn't going to get. But I started to, uh, I've alluded to on my show several times about a bad breakup. I had a bad breakup. And this week, was a week that I realized that I have lacked a lot of growth when it comes to relationships. Like, I am very unreasonable and uncompromising. So, I had this moment of revelation and it was emotional because, uh, Growth and responsibility, I think good dudes think they do it well and they do it terribly. And terrible dudes use it as an advantage to use and manipulate others. So, this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. Um, 
because of the terrible person who used this idea of greatness of being a good dude as a source of manipulation to uh, a situation that you were involved in. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted this conversation to help me navigate through uh, some revelations I made about myself as well. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea how to start this because I just okay. thought about it today. Well, I, I had the revelation, but I just thought about this is what I want to talk about. I want to put this out out there and yeah. uh, and uh, kind of go from there. So. Well, I think that I applaud you for, you know, being vulnerable, talking about this on the podcast, but also entering a space where you're willing to be self-aware enough to even acknowledge like the areas in which you can improve. And I think that in itself is a big part of growth, right? Now, as it relates to relationships, whether they're romantic relationships or family relationships or friendships, whatever the case is, relationships should be handled with a certain sense of responsibility and understanding that it's not just the standards that we apply to other people in the way that they should treat us, but we should also hold ourselves to a certain standard in a way, in in the the way in which we choose to treat other people as well. And I think that the way I've started with that is that I shouldn't expect things of people that I'm willing not to do myself, that I'm not willing to do myself. Like I can't expect you to hold me in a high regard or treat me with a super high level of respect if I'm not giving people that same level of respect. Or I shouldn't expect for people to give and to provide for me if I'm, I don't give and provide myself. And I think that that's a big part of growth. On the flip side of that, however, I feel that it's important not to get into like this big people pleasing space because then you start to lose yourself and you start to focus on what can I do to keep people around me and to keep people close to me and you start to lose yourself in that. So with the relationships, it's really a delicate balance of always checking in with yourself and making sure that you're happy and also making sure that you're bringing something to the table because if one hand's not washing the other, it's it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? I think that um, one of the quotes, and I don't remember who says it, but it's like we weren't brought into this world only to end up serving ourselves. Mm. And I think about that often. And that's what eliminates the fear and the anxiety associated of doing for other people. Because what I've realized is if I do things with the right intentions, you know, we were just talking about intentions earlier. I do things with good intentions. If someone chooses to violate that, from that point on, I have a decision as to whether or not I want to continue to be involved with that individual. And I'm not afraid to make the decisions that are going to suit me the best. Like if if you violate my trust, if, you, if you're mad disrespectful, if you do something that's off-putting, I have no problem pulling the trigger and being like, yo, this ain't working out. You know what I mean? Um, But a lot of people, they're so afraid of being lonely that they'll tolerate disrespect for a really long time because they're not willing to be by themselves. So, you know, relationships require a lot of mitigation, check-ins, making sure that you're happy, making sure that you're holding yourself accountable 
And with each check-in, not being afraid to make decisions that make sense in, in managing said relationship, being in tune with your feelings and your emotions, and also being open to feedback from others so that you can be the best friend, the best partner, the best spouse. You know, if all you want to do is dictate and put out there what you want, but you're not open to hearing or you're not even asking, like sometimes in romantic relationships or in friendships, I want to know if I'm being a good friend or if I'm being a good partner and be like, you know what? We've been kind of coasting lately, but you know, I just want to make sure like, like, are we good? Like, is there something that I could be doing better? I just feel like being interested and wanting to know if you're being a good friend or a good partner um, is important. And I think the moment you start to take pride in what you bring to the table and, and how well you're doing and treating other people, that it opens up a lot of doors and a lot of possibilities in your own life. So, But at the same time, make sure people ain't walking all over you either you know see you gave me too much to fucking unpack because i was like all right that's gonna be a segue into you saying about what happened with your situation and then you said something that's like okay i need to address that uh so i'm gonna do the address that sorry part. that was like a super long long uh rant um <laughs> so i am going to uh address a part of what you said well we're gonna we gonna dance around because now it's just a conversation so it's a conversation that people get to uh, hear. So um, for me, I realized uh, as magnificent of a motherfucker that I am, talented, all this shit that come with me, I was a, I'm a good nigga and a bad boyfriend. I am terrible. Uh at relationships um one thing that she would say to me if i wanted something that i would make the effort to do it and i don't know how much i believe that in the sense that it's hard for someone to do something that they don't know how to do they have no practice in for one but they don't know how to do their examples of success look a certain way you mimic those examples and you apply your own drip to it. Um, but in no way do you really know that you're wrong. I felt, mm -hmm. I felt like because I'm not an abusive, physically abusive person, I'm not verbally abusive, that shit, how much could you really complain about? When mm -hmm. I can help advise you on shit, I can help this, I can do that. And I am actively doing these things. How, how could I? How could you really view this as a net negative? And mm -hmm. on a regular basis, not a regular basis, somewhat regular basis. I mean, she would say, "I want to do this. I want to do that." And it's like, when you met me, I was at this certain level. And when I, when we met. I was trying to get where I'm at right or in these places that I'm at right now. I was looking for work, man. I wish somebody would do a project with me or something like, come on. Like, I just got to get that moment and I need to get, if I had the funding, I could do this and do that. And over time, dope shit started to happen. 
So my time became, as you told me, as fabulous said, time is valuable because that's whatever fabulous said. But my time. I think we were talking about that before the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But my time became very valuable. And for me as an artist, um, a creator of content, it takes time. And it also yeah. takes time away because of how much it involved. And so I realized mm. recently that although all these things were good, the short of it, the short of it is I thought about being married and I was like, how could someone marry me? How can I really think that I'm prepared to be married? Cause I can have a good relationship, but the thing that kept my good relationship from being a great relationship was me. Because I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't, I didn't know how, so I didn't know how to figure it out. I didn't, I wasn't equipped to figure it out, but I just couldn't figure out because it was like, I want to do it this way. This is what works. This is uncompromising. And this is that. And I'm going to circle this back to my dad because what I said about this is the first without him. And then it was emotional because as I'm navigating through this, I'm realizing I am my father. My dad had a beautiful funeral. A lot of great regards said about him. A lot of great things said about him. And my dad and I had the same name. So I'm sitting in this funeral. I'm listening to people talk about my father and it felt like they was talking about me. But my dad was always in mm. pain. My dad was always in pain. He was in ways a lonely dude. Women were there for the moment. And here I am. Had a great girlfriend. Great. But I was incapable of having a great relationship because I am basically being my father. And that was a fucking crazy revelation at the most inopportune time of the year. And it made me think about a few things going back to um, your situation. Am I being a manipulative person to these people that I care about by making it about me? Period. I'm done. Your turn. Um, I think a few things. Um, well, let me kind of go in reverse. Like at first you were like, who would want to marry me, right? I think that's what you said. And then followed by that, you said, I'm not prepared to be someone's husband. Those are two totally different things. Yeah. Two totally different things. So am I prepared to be someone's husband means, am I in a position where I'm capable of protecting, providing, doing the things that should be expected of me as a husband, leading a household, 
taking on new responsibilities? Is that something I'm prepared for? That's one thing. Now, but when you say that, are you saying inside of a marriage? I Because I'm more so talking about getting to that place where... No, I'm talking about inside of a marriage. When you say that yeah. I'm not prepared to be a husband, well, that's, I, I didn't that's say what pre- that means. I didn't say prepared to be husband, but prepared to be married. You said prepared to be married married or someone's husband that's the way i understand that statement gotcha. now whether you meant that or not that's different from who would want to marry me that's different because like the the world is crazy and i think because i've been in a lot of different relationships i've crossed paths with a lot of different people i know that there's a lot of variety out there right And I feel like for you, just because you had this relationship where you had this great girlfriend, it doesn't necessarily mean that she was right for you or that you were right for her, right? And I think that for me being a creative person, like I feel like it's my duty and my responsibility to make sure that anyone who's prospecting me, that they have a a clear understanding of what my lifestyle is like, right? So, for example, like I went on a date recently with this guy and, you know, he told me that, you know, he used to have like these trust issues and shit. Like he told me, like, you know, back in the day, if I hit up a girl and I try to call her and she didn't take my call and then she would try to call me back an hour or two later, I would already feel like, yo, like I'm gonna write her off because she was obviously doing something else that was more important to me and getting in his insecure feelings or whatever. And I feel like as an artist, if you're fucking with somebody that doesn't have that artistic creative passion, it's very difficult for them to relate and understand that when you're focused on a painting, a recording, something else, like you can't just tap out of that. And like if someone calls me right now and I'm recording this podcast with you, I cannot take their call. Like my mom could call me right now, bro. I'm not going to be like, yo, bro, can you pause the recording? Because my mom's calling. I can't do that. So I think that as an artist, it's your responsibility to me, to communicate to your loved ones, your significant other, and anyone who's prospecting you is like, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm a very busy person, but I know how to make time. That's the way I always lay it out. And, w- and when I make time for a person, I make sure to give them my undivided attention because I want, I don't ever want to create an environment that they feel like they're not as important as these other things that I'm working on. So you have to find balance with that. And sometimes it just takes time and experience of them observing you to really get that and click. Now, it's hard to get someone who's not artistic or creative to get understand that sometimes, especially if they have insecurities. So who knows? Maybe your ideal partner is someone else who has their own artistic passions or endeavors that they're not so pressed about you giving them your time because they got their own shit going on well so so for her like she see the 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 bigger core now just addressing one thing real quick the uh thing about when i said who would marry me uh that's more of a rant statement my homie was like anybody get married i know that i'm saying the person that really can uh uh stimulate be what i need them to be you know how can i get that but that is trial and error that's what dating is about uh 
on the other end, like she was really not even that she was supportive, but she was sticking it through everything. But me was was being the person that's like the most uncompromised, not uncompromising, but slightly compromising. Like mm-hmm. not even um, you know, now granted she had trouble. I assume she had trouble uh, dealing with the time that I give you the time is the time that I got. And when I was with her, that's all I did. I didn't do anything that I would normally do if I was outside. I didn't edit. I didn't work on shit. I didn't talk to nobody. It was just boom. Because this is the time well, you I You were got. doing that while you were with her? No, I wasn't doing any of my anything oh. that I would consider work when I was with her. When I was oh. with her, it's just us. That's it. Now... And she was very like, as shit was getting worse, she was like, I'm sticking with the shit and that's it. And I am like pulling more and more and more without giving up as much. Because that's what essentially men like. Men don't want to give up that much. Get a lot of shit without giving up much. Now, you mentioned earlier when you were like unpacking this that you were like wanting to get gigs and wanting to do this and wanting to do that. Right. Yeah. So like, I can't, I don't want to assume too much about financial circumstances, but I'm going to be real with you because you know, I'm a spender, you know what I mean? And I don't mind taking people out to dinner and things like that. Like I think about it. Like if I was a dude out here dating or had a girlfriend and I was always expected to be the one to, take care of dinner and buy gifts, this, that, and whatever. Like the shit's expensive, bro. And if I'm over here trying to launch a business or or develop my craft, this and that, it's very difficult to make those decisions sometimes. Like, yo, the same $200 I could spend on my girl on Valentine's Day, I could use that money to buy myself a new, I don't know, like camera lenses cost way more than that. Like it's, it becomes very difficult to make those decisions. And, and when you start comparing the expenses of a relationship to the expenses associated with building and developing your craft, it it gets really weird and very difficult sometimes. But what I will say is this, it's like if I were a dude, right. And I got a girl and and I'm into the art shit, whatever, like you got to be careful, like not to forget. Actually, let me reword this. If I was a female who wasn't creative at all, and my man is mad creative. I feel like the battle for me is being patient enough to wait for him to make time for me. And then when he does make time for me to try to make the best of those moments. Now, sometimes like you get so anxious waiting for your man to give you his time that when you finally get it, you think it's going to be like some magical firework situation like oh, we should use this time and go on a super romantic dinner because we usually don't get the time to do that. Or like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and and we think it's going to be something that's just not basic or regular because the anticipation has been building up and, and that can get difficult sometimes too. I'm not saying that she was expecting more from you, but it's very easy for us as women to expect more than what a man can give, is willing to give or even thought to give. So what I've learned And throughout my age and my experience is that with men, like they don't think about things the way we women do. 
So we need to grow comfortable with communicating with you guys exactly like exactly what it is that we want and what it is that we would like to see not hint at it not say it four weeks ago and think he's gonna remember four weeks later we have to be very specific like hey when are we gonna be able to chill again oh i'm gonna have some time on tuesday okay bet when we get together on tuesday i was thinking that we could finally check out this spot what do you think about that like we have to guide you guys and be very specific with you and i'm very comfortable at this stage being that way with you guys because i know you guys don't intentionally do shit to look like y'all don't give a fuck about us it's just y'all be in your own world and y'all don't be thinking about things on the same detailed level that we be thinking about it you guys aren't mind readers so i don't know does does that make any sense to you yeah like because we'll sit here and get mad at y'all for not being thoughtful but like we women be thinking like yo he should know he should know what i like you know he should be thoughtful he should be just hanging out thinking about damn what should i do for my lady on a detail-oriented level but y'all y'all naturally don't think like that so we have to grow more comfortable because yo like i've talked about this on the podcast like bitches be getting mad at they man because he don't take out the trash or he didn't do something but then if you just test on uh, test him and ask him to do it and he'll probably do it no questions asked so once i realized the power of simply asking a man to do something like yo that changes the whole fucking relationship satisfaction like that changes everything because you opened your fucking mouth and told him exactly what you wanted he was like oh yeah i could do that cool see because if not then shorty be complaining like oh it's the simple things you don't have to take me to an expensive dinner it's the quality time it's the thought that counts and we be sitting around waiting for y'all to like put together the shit we be dreaming of but it's like yo if you just communicate and let a homie know if you don't require an expensive dinner then tell him exactly where you would like to go when you would like to go and if you want to even show him the prices to motivate him and let him know that shit ain't gonna be expensive and make make him you know open his eyes and guide him like y'all need that from us but see, sorry the, i think i think so i'm always cautious of a couple things i hate friends I hate the. You broke up. What was that? I said, uh, I'm always cautious of a couple things. So I hate friends in ways. Like, I hate the perception that other friends can give about what's happening that you could possibly be missing. So, like, I don't know how influential, you know, uh, some, a, a girl's friend's relationship can be towards how they have perception to what they relationship should be so or would be or whatever but i'm also i hate memes i hate the internet i hate blake shelton i hate people who word things perfectly for a photo that you can put on the internet that can be shared and then that be the narrative to what a relationship should be Bro, me and my ex-husband were that couple that you hate. Like, not not saying specifically, but people looked at us like we were relationship goals, yo. And, and I'm, I never felt the pressure of that because I never set out to be the role model of, you know, young black couple, light skin, you know, whatever. Like, we wasn't trying to be beige rage in these streets, but everybody 
looked at us like, yo, they are the perfect couple. They out here getting it. They're out here doing it. So when we got divorced, the reaction that we got from people that we didn't even think gave a fuck, like people were like, man, y'all gave me hope. Y'all, y'all are the reason that I wanted to be in a relationship. You were the reason I wanted to be married. But it's like, I know firsthand that it's like, yo, the shit y'all was seeing on social media, like those things did happen. But there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that y'all didn't know about. You get what I'm saying? And it's it's because I've lived on the other side of that. I've realized that what people say is true. Yo, the shit you see on social media is just a fraction and like a very small snippet in time <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i, I don't know like I, I don't try to live up to what other people are going through because it's like if someone is your friend like let's keep it a buck if someone is your friend and all you hear about is the good things in their relationships trust me they're not sharing everything with you every relationship has its ups and its downs and who knows like i'm very protective over my relationships so if me and my man are going through something, like it's got to be something really, really bad for me to feel the need to vent to my homegirls when we chopping it up. Because if you love your partner enough, you're not going to take every opportunity to drag them through the mud to your friends. You want to protect that. And some people may think it's fake because you're only sharing the good and not the bad. But some parts of your relationship should be sacred. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I digress. I think that it's very immature to allow yourself to be influenced by social media or your friends' relationships. It can make you be like, damn, I wish I had that. But the same way you're a unique individual, every relationship is unique in its own right. And you have to try to find your own happiness and not live up to what Bob and Joanne are doing. You know what I mean? Are you in a relationship with Bob and Joanne? No. But isn't Do your that, own thing. Doesn't that make it, I, I I don't know how difficult it is because I'm not on that side. I'm one of those people who like, yo, this, our relationship is defined by our relationship. Like my f- friend, he, uh, I was giving him this revelation as well. And he was talking about the, I, him saying, uh, it's hard for him to want to get married because everyone, everybody he knows is married is either content or kind of feel like they want something different. And my stress to him was like, hey, they marriage is they marriage. Your queen going to be your right. queen. So whatever you need to do should be that thing that y'all do. The shit ain't for everybody. And I I don't... You know what? we we Sorry to cut in, but we were talking about the whole thing with Dwayne Wade's son with the nails, right? Yeah. So your kid steps to you like, I want to get my nails done. You're having an exploratory conversation. Why do you want to do this? And you're learning about your child and understanding. I feel like the same thing happens in relationships. If you notice that your girl is in a relationship with you, but is still looking outwardly at other people's relationships and like, damn, I wish that. Well, well, you already got something of your own, but you still looking outward. Why don't you tell me what is it about their relationship that you really like what is it that they admire and use this as an opportunity to learn more about your partner because if they weren't lacking something they wouldn't feel the need to look outward so 
like just use that as an opportunity to learn and see if you're willing to do some of those things that they're willing that that they're admiring. If you feel like yo they're admiring shit that I ain't never going to do, yo that might be your cue to exit. But if they're admiring things that you feel that you can implement and you could bring into the relationship, then that's something to become excited about because you're like, "Oh, that's light work." Like our relationship is going to get better because now I'm going to implement these new things that I know that are important to her. And I'm kind of looking forward to see how that changes the whole vibe of the relationship in a positive direction. So I feel like it's a learning opportunity, in my opinion. Now, if you're dealing with a bitch that's always just going to be looking outward, regardless of what you're doing, that means she's insatiable. And who the fuck wants to be with an insatiable person? Mm. Now, I'm going to get this shit off me for a little bit. We'll come back. We'll come back. There's plenty I want to approach. But, uh, approach, broach, approach. I don't know. Um, so, you had a uh, eventful, what, month or November? Yeah, I would say that. Uh, yeah, November was crazy. Oh, boom. So, it can take me back to something you said. Uh, you said that. Uh, you were talking about people pleasing. Uh, in mm-hmm. in the uh, episode, <laughs> um, do you feel like that a lot of the signs maybe that you would have ignored came from just this desire to please your partner? And I guess you can use this as an opportunity to give <laughs> in us in my C-nop. situation. Yep. In the situation I was in, I don't think it was so much a people-pleasing thing. I think that for me, I had laser focus on what I wanted for myself. That while I had homie in the palm of my hand, I wanted to keep him there. And it wasn't so much about him. It was really about like, okay, boom, got him in the palm of my hand. Let, Let me keep him there. And my thing is, like, I really didn't care too much about what he thought about me. Like, it wasn't weighted so much on, oh, let me make sure he thinks these things about me. Because I'm very confident in myself and I knew I was being a good partner to him. But it was all about, like, yo, let me build and and make this what I want it to be. And... Yo, let me try to have, I wanted to have a kid. The, my desperation to have a child and to be married again caused me to be blind to every, all these other elements that are important in a relationship. I'm such a problem solving thinker that I'm like, okay, what do you need to have a marriage and a baby? Well, one, I need a man to have a baby. I need a man with a penis, with sperm. Boom, I got that. Hey, it's a done deal. Like, that's literally my dumbass train of thought. That's a good I'm blueprint. like, everything else, yeah, everything else could be worked out. Can problems happen? Yeah. But what relationship doesn't have come with problems? So I never had this fear of like, what if he cheats on me? What if he's not a, what if this? What if that? I never let the what if psych me out because every other relationship I've had leading up to this point had fucked up shit happen. Yeah, and and I'm not afraid of, you know, 
challenges and issues, they're going to happen. But I didn't expect to be involved with a scam artist. We need I've that scene. been involved with a scam artist. We need that scene. We need that synopsis. I'm sorry? We need the synopsis. Okay, the synopsis. So the short of it is I met this guy online and he, you know, we were chopping it up. He knew that I wanted a man that, you know, shared the same spiritual faith as I was of Christian faith. He knew that I wanted to have children. And once he identified those things, he was a bit predatory and really, really tried to portray himself as like the the exact guy that I was looking for. He knew I wanted to have children and that I had a very strong desire to have children. So he would be talking about marriage with me. Why don't we try to have kids? Why wait? All those things. And it was just like, everything was sounding like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is all working in alignment with what I wanted. You know, Um, when certain situations were presenting itself, like, you know, he was in the remodeling business and he needed just like a little bit of help to get that going, I was more than willing to help him out. I was in the position financially. I was in the position with credit to do what I had to do to kind of help give him the jump start. Now, don't give this isn't the first time I've been in a relationship and I've I've tried to fuel a man's dreams. I've done it before. And all I'm gonna say is that I know how to turn water into wine. And I don't want to keep making that a habit. At this at this stage and at my age, I feel like I'm done with that. But it's kind of exciting to me because I love being a part of someone's success, whether it's my romantic partner, whether it's a friend, whatever the case is. I love giving people the push they need to win at life. So when he stepped to me wanting some help in developing his business and his ambitions and stuff like that, I was like, it was a no brainer. But shit got weird when he wanted to get a brand new vehicle because the first vehicle I helped him get was having some mechanical issues and was cutting into his work. So when he was like, listen, we about to be together. We want to have kids. I think it's time that we get a newer vehicle. That's not going to give us these mechanical problems. I didn't think twice about doing it because leading up to this point, the little bit of money that he was making here and there, money was making its way into my hands. He's never made any car payments late, car insurance payments late. Granted, the relationship was still new, but I never had any indication at this point that he wasn't going to handle his part of the bargain. Now, so fast forward. Fast forward a little bit. We get a brand new 2019 Tundra. Fast um, forward. We want you to, I want y'all to, to go listen to the whole story. I live in Tampa, Florida. I live in Tampa, Florida. And fast forward, homie ended up in a small town of Pocatello, Idaho, without any reasonable explanation to me. And he was gone for several weeks before I decided to, you know, turn Super Saiyan on homie. Meaning she flew out, some shit happened, and they made their way back to Florida. And then hear the rest of this story. You need to go to the Zero and Wrong podcast episode, uh, uh, airing it out. I think that's what it's mm-hmm. called. And get this whole story because yeah. it's traumatic. And and I'm only and I'm not gonna tell you guys the whole story here. But what I am gonna say is I had to become a super sleuth. Like homie left Florida to Idaho, changed his phone number, and I had no idea of the address or anything. So I had to get gangsta gangsta. 
to get my fucking truck people back. of a certain age know of this great amazing cartoon show called where in the world is carmen san diego it's carmen san diego i am carmen san diego now rome found carmen san diego <laughs> <laughs> she found on her way to finding carmen she found waldo picked him up yeah i found mm-hmm. went all the way to Tukalu, Idaho, where the fuck it was at, and uh, <laughs> found a man's whole home. So uh, I don't know if this is illegal or not. We're not incriminating nothing, but go listen to today's show for that shit. Uh, yeah. Now, part of that, part of this, why I also felt like you was right for this conversation is because I do look at part of like that burning desire for what you want out of your relationship is the thing that kept her from leaving abandoning this relationship like we were off and mm-hmm. on for a certain point and it was all around this same thing like i look at i don't know what's worse and as a woman you can tell me would it be worse for you to be cheated on and find out or that the relationship plum just wasn't working. Or that the relationship wasn't working. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like my outlook on cheating is a little different than most women. And I think it's because I've been raised around a lot of dudes. Right. And I'm not saying that cheating is right, but sometimes Niggas be cheating because it was way too easy, way too available, and it was a thing to do. At no point of the equation did they think like, oh, but this is betraying my lady. They're like, yo, this shit's right here, right now. I'm kind of bored, whatever. Why not? You know, and it hasn't, the intention was not to hurt your lady, but what you, the action itself was wrong, you know? Is that a character issue? And I do think it's a character issue. I do think it's a character issue on several on several levels. One, I think it's a character issue not only because you didn't make your girl a priority in your decision making, but I think it's a character issue because I feel like a lot of women are held to the standard, but men should hold themselves to the standard as well. That sharing your body intimately with another human being should take a little more thought. Like, we should have enough self-respect to be like, you know what? Let me really think about this. This isn't just a thing to do. And you men especially, like, how many times have you fucked a chick and then realized she got psycho afterwards and then it turned into a crazy situation? I feel like way too many times that that happens and then men don't think like, Yo, I really need to think before I pipe shorty down because I need to fill out if she's going to be a crazy psycho. Well, you know, the you, way I drop know. this dick off, I, I shouldn't have to fuck for free, honestly. But uh, <laughs> that is... I just feel like more thought should go into sex, especially if you're in a relationship. You should be like, okay, let me think about this. But sometimes y'all just don't be thinking. Yeah, honestly... Uh, a lot of my desire to not have sex just comes from the Me Too shit. Like, 
mm-hmm. I try because I got a lot of shit to lose. And like people always ask me about fucking models, like these chicks I shoot with. And I've never slept with anyone I shot with. And a lot of it just because I ain't trying to be that dude. I ain't trying to be the one that like because guy that fucks the models. Well, not even the guy that fucked the model, the model that felt like I'm holding they shit hostage because I fucked them. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Or or anything in the realm that is acting as if I'm using sex as the yeah. payment. So Yeah, and you don't want to be the photographer that has sex with his models. Like you I got, well, hold on. Your business, word of mouth is part of the business. You don't want sex and photography to get, you know. And that, and honestly, that is part of it is like, like I had an incident. I don't know. I'm sure I talked about it on the show. But this chick I shot with um, basically tried to get me murdered. And um, the guy is it, a whole big thing. Like she wasn't part of a triangle of relationship that I happened to be get injected in because I knew everybody involved in this and i didn't know i did um but she tried to get me murdered and whoa yeah it was a real thing try to get me killed because the dude was crazy and he was trying to protect his lies and then she started lying about our shoot and i'm like and then she was like i tried to shoot my shot and i tried to do this i tried to do that and I'm like, uh, first of all, you was naked, but I wasn't trying to fuck you. Now, I wasn't trying to hit the chick because uh, basically once I saw, ah, it was some things that I saw during the shoot that made me go like, not at all. <laughs> not even going to try this. And so uh, not beyond the fact that i haven't fucked any of my models but uh except my chick but uh she she was telling him like everything was innocent it wasn't really nothing going on truth be told it wasn't but he told she also told her he wasn't naked she wasn't naked and all this other shit and i'm like these pictures clearly show a naked person and I'm like, the bitch was busting it all open on, on video. And like, this wasn't as this innocent thing. And so he was like, send me. The, I want to see the photos. I want to see this and I want to see that. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Because even though y'all having this little issue, um, I don't need her deciding one day she want to get on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and be like, don't shoot with Ro. Ro, just get your pictures out to anybody. So even though this is a conflict I'm involved with, I'm still going to hold the integrity of business and go, I don't share my photos with people. Just because y'all upset and you want to catch your girlfriend lying and shit, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. So, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, beyond this... Um, being more thoughtful and having this crazy chick that I put this pipe down in. Most of it is just, I'm just yeah. not trying to lose what I built because of a allegation, which is unfortunate mm-hmm. because it makes, it makes the, it makes not y'all talked about this before. It's like the me too shit does have niggas kind of scared to 
escalate. I got a, I got a, I got a phone call this morning from somebody, right? And homie was like telling me how he was kind of confused because this shorty was kind of, what it came down to, what I feel it came down to is that shorty was trying to play hard to get with him. Like she obviously wanted him sexually, but it seemed like she only wanted him sexually if he was going to court her and if he was going to chase her. So I was like, you know, in 2019, I feel in moving forward, I feel like as women, we have to look at our men, right? The brotherhood of our men, right? And be like, yo, this hard to get shit. Like, we can't play that game anymore. Because if homie touches my thigh and I'm like, no, stop. Like that playing coy shit, if he he's like, yo, she said, no, stop. He's going to fall back. So if you really out here trying to smash the homie, you got to make sure that you don't have to be straight up like, yo, homie, I want, I want you to pipe me down. You don't have to say it like that. But I think that you have to give several indicators to a guy that you're open and comfortable with him coming on to you sexually. And then when he starts the process, you got to smoothly let it rock because any indication or lack thereof that we give you guys that we may not want it needs to be taken seriously. And I feel like you guys are starting to take it more seriously. Is that making any sense? But y'all don't got game. We're on, we were on that game or we don't have game? Y'all don't have game. I know I do shit. Well, all right. But mu- the mass majority <laughs> are like, are like lame. <laughs> I, I hate to say no, it. No, you got to. You like, the thing is that I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's something that comes with age, but when you're comfortable with yourself, your sexuality, like, I'm going to be real with you. I'm like 190 pounds right now. Okay. Right. When. I'm going to reflect on a, a very key relationship, right, that I was in, and you know about this one, where a homie was not attracted to me because of my weight. On the flip side, there's a whole gang of niggas that don't have a problem with my weight and find me super attractive, right? So what I've come to learn in life is that everything's not for everybody, and what one guy may not like about you, someone else is going to be in love with and mad super attracted to. Hey, we finna- That being said- Go uh, go ahead. I got I got something. I got something for- No, I was just saying, that being said, as women, we unfortunately have the habit of trying to like gauge our own self-esteem based off the way dudes are responding to us. And that's the stupidest thing that we can do. Like, don't allow the way another guy feels about you to dictate the way that you feel about yourself. That's only one guy. You know what I'm saying? Now, if every single guy is saying the same shit about you, like, that's worth paying attention to. But, like, yo, you can't be everybody's cup of tea. That being said, you got to be your, your your own biggest fan. Yeah. If you're clean, I... if you take good care of yourself... And, you know, you take pride in, in your parents and the way you treat others and all those things like like just feel good about yourself. Now, the moment you start feeling good about yourself and having confidence, it's a lot easier to have game and to to let these guys know like no, what you want. See, you got game. These motherfuckers is dull that you can't teach game. But 
Man, I guess you can't. Man, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to educate the youth. But, but this is the thing. One thing you said that stuck out, and I don't. Rem- I can't quote it because you said a lot. But what? It was something about like like the sexuality, or not sexuality, but like your attractiveness to yourself. But there is this yeah. false pretense that women have this already, because if you go on Instagram or any social media at this point, and you look at how a woman, female, girl, whatever post, you feel like you're looking at a person who who has accepted how they look, has accepted the enticement that they can create by their looks, and all these different things from the posing, from the 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 just all the shit that they use to put on social a lot of media. These chicks got low self esteem, bro. Yeah, it, I mean, yes, but we're just talking about how uh, men navigate through this because. A woman with all this stuff that you're talking about, there can be this idea that this woman has this, and then you talk to him, you're like, this motherfucker is dull. This is a whole bag of dimes. And just can't, like, you can't, like, you're telling them to, uh, you're telling them to go out there, love yourself, uh, and the nigga is going to fuck with it. And most niggas is fucking with whatever you put on Instagram. But then when he talked to you, you don't really want to have this conversation. You don't want to seek mm-hmm. nothing real from someone unless they kind of just hitting the heart, hitting the follow button and staying out your DM. How does a woman truly find, you know, this is the pool. This is the talent pool now. This is how you date. Outside in the street, don't nobody really look up. So if the way you got to get at somebody is being clever, funny, smart, and have dope-ass memes, and then you finally have a conversation, this person doesn't know how to have a conversation. For real. Yeah. I don't know, man. You got to have personality, bro. Like, who wants to date a wall? I don't know. And I mean, I have have a lot of personality, so it's difficult for me to relate. They know how to do it online, the personality part. Then you meet them, the motherfucker can't talk first shit. You know what? I may be guilty of that, actually, because, like, sometimes it's weird. Like, if I've already established a rapport with somebody online and then I meet them in person, it's going to be easier for me to chop it up with them. But when I'm meeting people for the first time in person in social settings... I'm mad cold, bro. I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to work on it. Like, I have really bad social anxiety. It's so weird. But like I said, I'm never one to flip the switch. If we already have great rapport because we know each other from online, like I said, jumping right into it. Like, bro, I've never met you in person. But if I did, like, we about to go, like, break bread. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I'm. but I'm. But if I'm, I met you... F- I'm a different kind of nigga out here, though. You know, I can talk to him. Nah, but if I met you, if I've never met you before in my life, and I just ran into you at an event, like, you'd probably get, like, two words out of me. Not the kid. The kid gonna get it out you. 
the kid know try, how to get it out. I'm an asshole. Yo, check my references. SEO. SEO. Niggas be like, hey, so you having a good time? I'm like, yes, I. Y'all wouldn't say no corny shit like that <laughs> about your time. I don't give a fuck about your time. What are those on your feet? That's what I'm going to do to you. I mean, what the fuck it look like? No, uh, that that might be a good way to start the conversation. Man, I know how to get I don't know. Like, anybody. I'm really bad. I'm trying to get better in social settings, but I'm either hot or cold. It's crazy. But how did we get here? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to figure it out because, like these models again. These models are some of the most boring people I've ever talked to. Like I I yeah. I try to make it fun, honestly, um, and entertaining. I think that's what a lot of motherfuckers don't understand, and a lot of females sometimes would think whatever they think about me based on. Do you ever wonder if you may be expecting connections from the wrong places? Because that's what I'm gathering. I don't want a connection with nobody. <laughs> First of all, mm. so like. But like with the going back but to the, you don't want to be lonely. Yeah, man, that's it. But see, the going back to the models, I got to connect with the models because they have to be comfortable for one. I can't. I'm only gonna get the best out of them if I can make them comfortable. So I am talking and entertaining because if they look like a hostage, if if, if it's dull, they're gonna look like I'm holding them hostage. So it's like to kind of get what I get out of them, I have to be like, cool. So it is what it is in, com- in that regard. But when it comes to dating, man, honestly, I don't know how after my situation, I don't know how I move on. I don't know how I move forward. I don't know how I give my give what I gave to somebody else. Because it's already difficult for me to want to open up because I don't have mm-hmm. examples of what that is, how that feels, what it looks like. All I know is um, when my pops passed, I said, I'm going to make a genuine, genuine, authentic, consistent move to go back to therapy and commit to it. Because all my problems, I work through them and not on them. I find a bunch of shit that I can work on to avoid dealing with my problems. And because I'm excellent at a lot of shit, I feel like that's my reward for how I went through my problem. Hey, I did something dope, so my problem doesn't exist anymore, which is not true. I'm not really working on shit. And with how things have ended and how I'm having these different relate revelations about life and relationships, the things that I do poorly. Right. Um, it's important for me to work on that because I got to work on it because depression doesn't make this easier. Uh, because those are moments and she was great at dealing with that. But I am not the most open person, the most open book for people. And to get me to a point where I'm just like, I hate that this motherfucker making me feel emotions, but 
I'm supposed to feel emotion, so I'm okay with that. Right. I don't want to do that again. You're breaking up a little bit, but I'm gathering what you're saying. I actually, um, when I was going through the very difficult situation, the Idaho situation, when I reached that moment where I knew our relationship was beyond reconciliation, like I was hurt, you know? And I remember talking to my pastor about it. And what he said is that when you become vulnerable, it's like you're giving permission for someone to get close enough to love you. But it's scary because you're also giving them permission or giving them so much space and opportunity to hurt you in ways that other people can't hurt you. And that's what makes it scary, you know, and I think that guys are a lot better at mitigating that vulnerability. Like, you know, I've really got to make sure you're a real one before I let you in the soft spot, you know, because you could do some damage in there, you know, and that's what makes love scary. But for me, I obviously like to dive into things head first. And that's how I end up finding myself in these fucked up situations because I'm not afraid of being vulnerable and I'm not afraid of loving because I hold myself accountable to my thing is like, I'm never going to really find out the maximum potential of this relationship if I don't give it my all. And part of giving my all is being vulnerable. Right. And I want to experience the absolute best. And it's like, I have to be vulnerable to experience that. And then the moment that I'm like, Oh, but what if they hurt me? I look at it like, that hurt, I'm willing to take the risk of being hurt at the expense of like I'm um the expense of being hurt, like I'm willing to expend that for the chance of experiencing like the best experience. Yeah, I'm willing to take that gamble. You know what I mean? That's that's the gamble that I'll keep taking over and over and over again. And I think it's like, because I'm not afraid of being hurt because I know my, my rate of recovery is crazy. I know if a nigga hurts my feelings or if someone betrays me or like, I know that I'm willing to be like, okay, if I got to end it, I got to end it. If I got to move on and find somebody else, then that's what I'll do. Like I know how to pick myself, dust myself off and keep it pushing. And the reason, the moment that I realized that I was strong enough to overcome difficult situations, the less I was afraid of what other people can do to hurt me. Because I know that I can overcome anything. I, You know what I mean? I realize just now, because all of that I'm okay with. Like, I'm okay with being hurt. I'm okay with being vulnerable for the person that I... Uh, anoint anoint that power to which has really only been i mean hurt in my adult life uh there is this idea of the comparison with my 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 kids mom um but i was at a different age we were young uh and a lot of that worked because we had kids and it stopped working Mm -hmm. because we had kids because it was just the kids that were the glue but um, I think that the reason why I don't want to do it, and it's just as figuring this out right now, is because of it. 
that pain makes me stop and I don't like stopping. I like to be able to work on something. And I've decided long ago that I never let my negative feelings. I don't put negative into the work. So a lot of people will go, oh, um, you know, use your art to express yourself. And Mm -hmm. I don't think. I can't speak for all artists because art, the art world is a very pretentious world where we just make up concepts and like we're master bullshitters. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the thing about art for me, all of it, when I'm working on it, that's what I'm working on. That's my focus. So it keeps me from thinking about other shit because I have to focus on it. I have psychology that I put into the work that I make. So it's not like, oh, I'm feeling sad. I'm going to go paint something that makes me feel sad like no i'm feeling sad i'm going to go paint because i'm not going to think about being sad working through my problems and not working on my problems so when i'm sad like that or down like that or beat up by you know i was hurt a lot of times because she was sad i made her sad and so i would come home and just like mope i would sit around and i stopped i hate stopping and this whole weekend for the holiday, all this shit going on, it forced me to stop. I couldn't get shit done. I couldn't go work on nothing because I didn't want to fucking work on nothing because I'm down. I'm going through an You're emotion. Up. Uh, I didn't want to work on anything because I'm going through an emotional uh, outbreak or whatever you call it. Yeah. Breakthrough. You, you need solitude. Yeah. And... That sucks for me as a person that is considered a workaholic who loves to come up with a bunch of shit and keep working constantly. It sucks to have all this free time and use that free time being emotional. And that's why I think I don't like doing this. I don't want to do it again with someone uh, new. Because I don't want to give them the power to make me stop. I'm okay with you making me feel bad. I'm okay with the emotions that come with that. I am not okay with stopping my life. Because I got to pick my shit back up. So I feel like when we kind of started this little piece of our conversation. Like that you said you struggle with the vulnerability. So my thing is that if you don't have any fear and anxiety associated with what people can do once you let them in, then why, where is the struggle with the vulnerability? Uh, the struggle. Like, what is that rooted in? You know, that's what the therapist is going to be for. <laughs> Cause I don't know. Um, because my thing is like, maybe, you are subconsciously afraid of the damage that a person can do once you let them in and you don't realize it because otherwise, if if you're not afraid, then why not be more vulnerable? You know, I'll just, I'll just end my, my like opinion on this note. I've been through some traumatic life experiences, 
you were just talking about the situation with your dad and just listening to the way people were talking about him, this, that, and the third. Like, loneliness and stress and depression, like, those shits, that shit's a killer, bro. And people should take it more seriously. And I used to be, like, really, really, like, chronically depressed back in the day, man. And I realized that my own loneliness was my own fault because I wasn't valuing the opportunities to connect with people. And once I started opening my life up to people, I I noticed that it significantly changed my life. Not just from like, oh, I'm not lonely, but from a collaborative sense and just knowing that you're not alone in life, it gives you a certain sense of comfort. Do you know what I mean? Um, not saying that you need those people, but I think that that comfort is nice, you know, and to be able to provide that comfort to another person when they're in need is gratifying as well. But one thing is for sure is life is too short that to wait until you're at the end of your rope to realize you don't fucked up and you missed out on opportunities to connect with people. And that's one thing I don't take for granted. Don't nobody in this world owe us shit and we don't owe anybody shit. But the moment that we elect and we decide to be there for one another, like that can make a piece of your life a little more beautiful, a little less stressful, a little less shitty. The, the world is shitty in itself. But it's like things things become easier through teamwork and collaboration. And like you don't get that by being by yourself. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to toot my horn or my partner CL's horn. But I feel like you, myself, CEO, like we've established some sort of friendship. You know what I mean? Like I consider you a friend. I do. I gotta play this music. I, 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 Let me play this. I don't know if little um, Let's piece. let's play. Let's cue the friendship music. <laughs> I consider you a friend. Like if you needed something, you hit me up. Like yo, I got you. If I could do it, I'd, I'd be like yo, I got you. But it's it's like. With romantic relationships, it shouldn't be that much different, except you get piped down or you give the pipe every now and then, you know? Yeah, whichever direction you like, you know, and that doesn't mean men or women. You know, we, we, we're friends yeah, of the However, LGBT. however that applies, you know? Except with children. It's That's not wrong. much different. Don't do that. <laughs> um... That's one thing, um, she did say to me before, too, is, uh... Um, and I never thought about it until she said it, um, is that there is something like, I don't like, I don't participate in other people's family holiday because Mm -hmm. of my lack of it. And she said that you just want to be angry. You want to be upset because uh, people want you around, but you choose not to come around. You as in me. So you just want to be upset. You don't want to feel that feeling with anyone else, but the way that you want to feel it. And I never thought about that. Is that like that misery, that looming misery is something that, I am mostly creating. Um, at like you know, sometimes you just want you want to feel bad. Like I, I don't think I've said it on the show, but 
I don't feel like I've dealt with my father's passing. Like, like I don't feel like I cried enough or I felt enough pain behind it. And I don't know if like there, that is a real thing or not, but because of that, it's like, I, I want something to make me feel bad about it because so much was happening in that moment that I never got to stop. And because of the way that my mind works and the way just, yeah, just the way that my, my makeup is once I'm past something, I'm kind of past it. Like it hit me now and then, but I'm past it because I don't like to stop. And you know, it, it, it would force me to stop. But at the same time, like I want to feel bad. My dad died. Like I don't have him anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't um like it's it's past now. Like I don't feel excitement about shit. I got a book. I got a my book does I just got a fucking royalty check for my book. My book came out what I don't know, 2015 or some shit like this. I've been collecting a royalty check off of a book I wrote that I barely even fucking talk about. Wi-Fi Rock Bottom if you want to get it on um Amazon or whatever. But Everyone can't say that they collect a royalty check. I collect a royalty check from music still. This podcast does great numbers, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. I sell this merch. Who People just will just buy this shit. But I don't sit up and go, mm-hmm. damn, you did a good job. I don't sit up and just like, congratulate myself over shit and it's just the way that my mind works i always want something bigger i didn't cry enough i didn't do enough i didn't work enough i didn't do this enough i can overwork on all this shit and it's like then it comes down to like the points where i'm supposed to feel something and it's like i don't want to do it i'd rather be sad than happy i think you need to be more human be less robot but i think that you know better than anyone else what is healthy for you. I don't. You know? Well, then. And that's. I think where it's I'm okay at. to be more human and be less robot. You mentioned um, either you have a therapist or you're going to start seeing one. Uh, I got to get a new one. I got to find. Yes, basically. I'm, a, I'm going to find a therapist. And I've went to one many years ago. Uh, I got to find a new one and commit to it. Yeah, be kind to yourself. Don't treat yourself like a robot. You know, it's okay to be human and feel some things. And I think that, you know, I don't know, like some of my friends, considering the traumatic situation I went through, they're worried that I'm not properly unpacking what happened because they're like, you shouldn't date for a year. One of my friends, you shouldn't date for a year. You shouldn't this, you shouldn't that. For me, it's like, yo... I I cried when I had when it was time to cry. I handled my business like a G when I needed to handle my business. And now I'm just prepared and ready for the next chapter of my life. I'm not gonna put myself on pause so I can just soak in negative emotions and try to figure myself out. I don't need to figure shit out. I know what the fuck I did. I know where exactly where I fucked up. I know what I'm willing to do a little bit differently. Like I don't have time to waste wondering about myself. So the fact, I think that 
going to therapy and trying to explore and figure out ways to just feel good and comfortable and be very aware of yourself is important and like be more human, be less robot, like be kind to yourself. Like that's an expression of self-love and self-care. And you might need a little bit of that, but you know, you know best. You know? Yeah, see, I I am trying to get away from that. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I I've been going along life like I did know. Like no one could tell me shit. Like I know me. Well, here's the thing. If 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 you know what you've been doing is not working, right. then clearly we need to try the opposite of that. We know yeah. that at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I know. Okay. All right. You're right. I you do know. know. What I'm saying? Like, you do know. Yeah. Who knows? Ro knows. There you go. There we go. I rest my case, Your Honor. All right. The defense rests. See, this is, um, I'm going to tell you why I want to do this on the show. Uh, I've been, I mean, I'm a pretty strong advocate on mental health stuff because of my own suffering with depression and um, navigating that. And I want to be open, uh, use the platform a little bit more than talking shit, but like, there is I, I think it's important for men to show vulnerability and and not be a bitch. <laughs> I don't know how else to say this. Yeah. Because my best friend, um, and I've talked about him a couple times on this episode, but like he is super uh, he's unchanging about a lot of shit stubborn about a lot of shit and so was I and I'm constantly now as we're older challenge him and trying to put this pressure on him like yo stop doing this shit stop being self-sabotaging um, mm-hmm. because I know when I'm being I'm self-sabotaging but like I said about all this revelation that I just had, a lot of this came from like, yo, I thought I knew me and largely I do, but I reached the place where it's like, I do a lot of fucking things. Great. <laughs> but mm-hmm. these things that is ultimately far, far more important than the things that I do great. I will always be able, I will, I've been blessed with talent. I will always be able to paint or not paint. I'll always be able to create art and storytell. That's just in me. But I won't always be able to meet the person that's going to change my life or is going to assist in my life or is going to be the way my generation continues, meaning my kids. Like, I won't always have that and uh i need to cultivate that as soon as possible so i can see it just look at it as a new a new challenge and sometimes it's through experimenting and doing things differently that you haven't done before that you learn and grow and and you know 
me, I'm not afraid to experiment, you know, and learn the best way to do things for me, you know? Ooh. So. See, I take risk in life all the time. I don't take risk on relationships. I'm learning yeah, a lot about me not, right now, honestly. Yeah, as long as you're not intentionally going out there and trying to hurt someone, yeah. like you really just try to do things differently because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So just kind of try to grow comfortable with your relationships and trying to do things a little bit differently. If you've never surprised a woman with a bouquet of flowers before, don't know if you've done that, but if you've never done it, try it. Uh, response. I did for her. I'm just saying, like, try to explore and, and try to do different things and kind of see how you feel about it and see if you like it. And, you know, just, just try different things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, how they say about old dogs. Can't teach old dogs new tricks. Yeah, but when you get sick of the old shit, you got to try new shit. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> Just don't try cracker meth. That's all I'm saying. Don't uh, try meth, but you can read about meth at Wi-Fi Rock Bottom. Something about meth. You can find that on Amazon or wherever you, uh, uh, you know, get books. Hard copy and ebook. Whatever you like, we got that for you. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. Is that it? Yeah, 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 think, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think we were all over the place, but I think this was good. Nah, yeah, that's the point. It, I knew it would be because I was like, I just want to talk about this shit. Uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because... You know, it's the holidays. The holidays is the mo- is the is the uh is one of the major points of the year where a lot of people deal with uh You know what you should do? You should take a couple days to fly out to Tampa and allow me and Zio to show you a good time. Man, I thought you were finna say some cake was about to get clapped. Oh, what? What? <laughs> not not that kind of good time. Jeez. <laughs> Look at you already taking it too far. Now that's where you fucked up. Uh, see, <laughs> see, shit. That's how you know. I'm still a Negro. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> backs get busted. Look at that Negro right there. Hey, shit. Um, but yeah, it was good. I do want people to go over to listen to Zero and Wrong podcast. It's easy to find. XIO. Well, actually, at this point, just look at the fucking comments. If you listen to a podcast, you're familiar with how podcasts work at this point. I'm sorry. Like, Thank you for having me on and thank you for your continuous support of our show. We really appreciate it. Hey, man, we got to get to this baggage claim. So, you know, we got to win here. Too many episodes at this point. <laughs> 118 is the next one. Are y'all still doing seasons? Yeah, we're in season 10. Man, I can't. Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. There was like one point, and then you did like a 15-minute episode. Like, we got that episode in, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was in Texas. But uh, yeah, I was in Texas and it, yeah, yeah, but I made sure to do it though. Go ahead and uh, give the people the info. You know how this go. 
Yo, my name's Rome with Zeal and Rome. X-I-O-A-N-D-R-O-M-E. You can follow us on any social media platform. My individual handle on Instagram is Mother Rome. M-O-T-H-A-R-O-M-E. And um, yeah, thank you guys for rocking with us. We, I appreciate the listeners that, you know, find us through your joint and come through and show love. So thank you. For Shizno. And uh, over at the Zero on Rome podcast, you can see uh, exclusive clips from this, uh, what you call it, the Idaho excursion or the Idaho massacre yeah. incident. There we go. The I.I. If you want to hear a crazy ass real lifetime movie story that's not made up, like at least peep this one episode called Airing It Out. Like that's a must listen if you want to hear some crazy shit. Boom. All right. And for me, uh, Ro is famous on social media. Uh, Kindofamouspod.com. People collectors get those. And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Before I go too far, if you are uh, another person who deals with sad, seasonal depression, things like this, man, you got to stick with it. I'm not going to tell you it gets better because I know it won't feel that way. So. Just uh, kick it in there, man. Just stick with it. Keep working through the year. I know some of y'all may be uh, without family. Uh, if you're in school, sometimes it's hard to get home. Uh, if you got to work, you work on that road. All that kind of shit. It may be difficult. Stick with it. Don't get too far down. Uh, if so, you could do like me and just lay in the fucking bed. Pull over in the truck. Just sit in the back. Chill. But you got to make sure you get that shit dropped off. Cause you don't want, you know, fucking t- uh, Department of Transportation might get to you. But get your rest in. Log your hours. Uh, But it's difficult. I understand. I get it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you go drink nothing. Go have a good time. None of that shit. Because I know it don't really mean much. But just stick with the shit. You hear me? I come on this bitch all the time. Talk about how down I am. How hard this shit can get. And it, it's going to get harder for me. Christmas is coming up. I'm sure the closer I get to Christmas, the more I'm going to be down about my father. People keep calling and asking if I'm going to show up to this, if I'm going to show up to that. Uh, All of that to go along with the depression I already have. But I'm sticking with the shit. I'm sticking with the shit. You heard me talk about going to therapy. I'm going to do the shit. And you can hold me accountable. If you want to keep me accountable, feel free to email me, kindoffamouspod at gmail.com, or hit me up on social road is famous. And until next time, tell you about myself. Who the hell she knows? Boom.